It's Friday, and I'm giving you a night call. I'm making a night call. Many of you will be listening to this later on this evening. The last moments of Friday, knocking on the door of Mon- of Saturday morning. Every day, every day is Monday, in actuality. But tonight we're going to have a good time. I think that we're going to have some really... Uh, I've been waiting to have this UFO disclosure conversation. Not necessarily the... the uh, I mean, we have to talk about the actual thing that happened on the media this week with the, the Pentagon-approved whistleblower. Because it's all approved. Um, I wanted to talk about just the deeper aspects of all of this stuff with Timothy Alberino. And I feel like every third or fourth time that he comes on the show, I mean, we talk about uh, megalithic structures and the, uh, um, and, and uh, let's see, like the, the Younger Dryas era. We're talking about comet impacts and all that, that fun stuff. But I want to go back around to everything that will um, tie together the biblical war between heaven and hell, the great, the fall of the angels, that war that we we learn about from the Bible and from the lore, that all that all comes along with it, and how it ties into, you know, in an eschatology sense, when we talk about end times and things like that, fake alien invasion is a big part of at least the big transition into later phases of our civilization and the trans the the transference of humankind and our species into something a little bit more altered and you know so i i i would love to go back around to that and have a have an interesting kooky little conversation on a friday night and uh, Matt is here, so he, I know that he always enjoys when he's in, in studio for a Timothy Alberino conversation. Matt, how you feeling today? I'm good. How are you, Francis? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, we're, we we got to talk a little bit about you know what? Timmy being a cat? No, no, no. No? Jeez, you just came out with that one. I was going to talk about Trump. Oh, it's... it's Dude, <laughs> I know you're, you can't you can't say it's nothing uh, because it's, it's nothing. But there may it's it's nothing. It's serious, but it's something. Yeah, it's nothing, but it's very serious. It's a big nothing burger that they uh, supersized, but it's very serious. And uh, it, it, to begin the show, I want to go through some media clips and let that all run out. If you want to hear like the first reactions kind of stuff that we were. I did. Um, it was with on the morning show this, with Tracy. If you go to uh, radioinfluence.com, you can listen to the morning show, Dark to Light, and um, and that's where a lot of our first reactions were just laid out there. And we vented pretty good. But uh, tonight, I just want to listen to a couple of clips from the media, and then we should be able to go on to setting the table for Timothy Alberino, who's never without a never without opinion on what's going on geopolitically. I mean, this is a big thing. This is a very big thing. Very, very big thing as far as where we're going in the future and making sure that there's nobody to even pose a minimal threat to upsetting the apple cart. Um, Here's the first thing. I'm just going to jump right into it. That's funny you said apple cart. I'm about to smoke, actually, an apple jack. That's what it's called? Yeah. That sounds very tasty. That's the strain? 
That's the flavor, yeah. Applejack. That's, wait, wait, that's the flavor of the wrap? That's the flavor of the... They put the terpenes in. It flavors and it, oh. it gives it the odor. Got you. The odor. It's delicious. It's powdered, <laughs> powdered sugar. It's delicious. Uh, here is... I'm going to start with this. I'm going to start with Cash Patel. He's been on the morning show quite a few times. He's great. Yeah, uh, he's from can. New York. And uh, so I, I really I just grabbed this because Cash is, is awesome. Uh, I, I really enjoy this guy. Uh, I can give two shits about Fox and Friends. But listen to this. Cash Patel breaks it down and what's going on with the case right now and and the indictments, Donald Trump, everything that's been racked up in this round of indictments. If every, if he gets convicted of everything and he's given the maximum sentence, you're talking about a 76-year-old man that can go away for 100 years. You're talking about a reaction that they are not expecting, that no one will expect, maybe, do possibly. You th- do you think? Do you really think that that would? That, do you think that we have something like what you're talking about in us? Because up to this point, the only reason why they do this in such a brazen way now is because there is nothing. We have shown no real inclination to fight like that. Someone will. Well, they'll strike back, and then it'll it'll change. That's already happened, man. There are hun- there are still hundreds of Americans that have been d- that are, are are wasting away in Washington D.C. Uh, jails since January of 2021 yeah, for walking in the building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they weren't carrying muskets. So I, I know what you're talking about, and a lot of people a lot of people go to those places in their heads when they see this happen because it, again, it keeps asking the question: Where do you go from here? Every day we get new confirmation that this is just what, like I heard Mark Levin go on a rant uh, about the DOJ and, and it's uh, it's despicable state of being and he's righteously indignant but I mean it is what it is and I've heard that rant come from him 10,000 times I've ranted like that 10,000 times you know we aren't in the process of losing the country we lost the whole point right now is what do we do what do we do in refocusing ourselves, rebuilding ourselves as individuals, as families, as communities, refocusing on what we can do in local arena and how we can actually we can actually in in um, on a legal front and in a physical action taking action front distance ourselves and divorce ourselves from DC. That's it. Um, I mean, there's still there's still constitutional law that could be cited for that. We were we were the Tenth Amendment was created so that we can say no, thank you. We can line item veto uh, Washington D.C. on every front that they are overreaching on. I mean, those are things we can do. But this is what we need to expect from the federal government. It is far more oppressive than Great Britain ever was. Far more oppressive. Anything that you've ever been told about the American Revolution and how King George treated us, there this is nothing compared to that. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, that is nothing compared to this. It is, and it's not an overstatement. Not an overstatement. So we live under the yoke of an insane band at the very top, an insane band of demonic blood-sucking technocrats, and then you got several layers of unfeeling career po- bureaucrats. And politicians who are willing to do anything to just keep the money coming or to get ahead and then there's another mile or two of shit and then there's us 
So uh, when it comes to the advancement of the larger plans that we're, we're talking about here, when we're talking about the advancement of the larger plans that the owners have for their country club, there is no law. There is no check out there that would restrict them. You may get a win in a district court somewhere, or maybe you win a libel suit against a, a small media company in, in your town. A property line dispute, you might win. Fine, whatever. When it comes to the big picture issues, there is no law. It's um, it, it's just every day, every day. Um, you know, when they want to destroy you, they'll change the entire system around to make sure that they can do it. So whatever they they whatever uh, is is imagined, they will make it seem that it is real. They'll allow hearsay in as evidence. They'll get the media to drum lies into the public consciousness. They create a fervor for the bullshit that they created out of thin air to be able to advance their cause in one way or another. It's almost every investigation that we have lived through in the last seven years was a cover-up for a real crime that the investigators committed. It's just fucking the truth. They created that, that phony Me Too movement to be able to mask the stench of the human meat grinder that is the movie industry that they control. That all their money flows through to create the messaging that has, has uh, been married to their politics for however many years now. They have buried every link that they have to human trafficking and blackmail. Jeffrey Epstein, that's all them, been fucking buried. Buried beneath the bullshit propaganda uh, that Netflix can put out. That's it. Big story. Make Netflix do a documentary about it, and that'll be the thing that most people understand as the full story. This is what we're dealing with. They create nonsense, and they speak it into reality. And, um... Yeah, let's just listen to Cash because I'm just going to go nuts. I'm going to go nuts. As far I don't even I don't even want to talk about the charges. It's fucking nonsense. Here we go. Peter just said, uh, you know, it, this case boils down to it's not it's not about having the documents. It's about what happened after the National Archives asked for the documents back, and they didn't get all of them. And next thing you know, there's a search warrant executed. Next thing you know, there's a suggestion that things were moved. That there's. Uh, collusion there's obstruction there's all sorts of stuff yeah to me look as a former federal public defender in miami and a national security prosecutor it's a little simpler than that it's what charges have they levied based on what laws they're opposing the espionage act versus the presidential records act the latter supersedes the former so it doesn't matter where they were and who moved them and how if president trump is the recipient of those as president of the united states when he left the white house it's a pretty simple matter what i'd like to talk about is some of the lawyers on jack smith's special counsel team remember jack smith is the one who spearheaded the bob mcdonald case and got shellacked by the supreme court nine to oh governor of virginia His deputy special counsel is karen gilbert who's one of the most corrupt prosecutors to ever come out of the southern district of miami right a couple of other things uh jack smith we heard all about his investigation it was very public who he was bringing in now why did he choose to go so public with what he was doing why do we get all these leaks out of his camp 
Well, it's the same playbook that the FBI and DOJ have run, whether it's Russiagate, impeachment one, impeachment two, Jan 6, what have you. If it favors a story that helps push their narrative, they leak the information relentlessly, whether it's classified or not. And what they don't leak are their evidence of, are their actions of corruption by the prosecutors bringing this case. And let me give you an example. The lead prosecutor, Karen Gilbert, who is likely to be the trial attorney in the Southern District of Florida in 2009, was so reprimanded in a narcotics trafficking case that she had to retire from her position. And years later, she was promoted upwards at the DOJ. And now you find, and don't believe me, go to the Ali Shagan case from 2009 and Judge Gold in the Federal District of the Southern District of Florida and look up Karen Gilbert. This is, she is uh, the Weissman to Jack Smith, and she has been pulling the reins on this investigation. And she was called one of the most corrupt people to guess what? She wiretapped the defense lawyer's investigative office to eavesdrop on the conversation between the defense attorney and the investigator. And before she got slapped by the courts, she resigned from her position. This person is leading this prosecution. Have you talked? Yeah, 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 absolutely. There is, there is no word you can come up with that is low enough that is low enough to describe them and, and you know and i saw somebody else ask uh, you know uh well i will we'll, let's just get through this to president trump have you asked him was this worth it i mean why even take these documents and when you are found to have them in your possession just give them back because these are things like a letter from obama a birthday menu which probably is not part of the classified portion a cocktail napkin a letter from kim jong-un you listed a few others earlier in the yeah. show I mean, is, it, is it worth it I don't, I don't even know if america i think democrats and republicans would agree that you shouldn't go to jail or be behind bars for more than a hundred <clears throat> years because of this if that were the case i mean biden could could go to jail so could president trump depending on the different charges but is it worth biden it? should go to jail the stuff he's in possession of, there is no statute that allows him to have it. He was never president. He still isn't. But he was never president. He was vice president. A lot of the stuff that they found in his possession was actually uh, attained during the time he was a senator. I mean, this is, it's just ridiculous. Worth it. Why, why not just give this stuff back? Why is this, why is this happening? What the hell's going on over here? To me, look, maybe I'm old school. The rule of law is worth it. And President Trump abided by the rule of law, whether he took a cocktail napkin or 4,000 boxes of documents. George Bush, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and President Trump should be treated no differently. The two-tier system of justice right. is on explosive display here. And it is, of course, worth it if, if and when I believe Donald Trump will be exonerated to show that he has been a political target rather than a legal target. So whether he took it or not is not the question question to me it's the why they are prosecuting him when they know they don't have a legal sure. justification to do so but well, you know, so let me ask you something about this uh, the jury makeup of miami you know miami does he have a yeah. better shot at a fair trial there than he does in new york city and would have been washington where he might be facing the january 6th charge 
Well, sure, of course. I mean, Miami's a little better than um, Washington, D.C. and New York, but I think it's a pretextual forum shopping operation by these U.S. attorneys and the special counsel's office. To me, I think maybe this will backfire depending on the judge that this lands in, because I don't know that this case will ever get to a jury because of the legal questions at play vis-a-vis -vis the Presidential Records Act and Espionage Act. And oh, by the way, if you want to charge him with destruction of justice, he has to commit an actual illegality. So these are legal questions that may go to the judge yeah. and I think ultimately the appellate courts before it ever gets to a jury and I think the DOJ may have uh, bought off more than it can chew by trying to quote unquote forum shop this case down to the Southern District of Miami where it's home court advantage for the deputy special counsel. Well, uh, Cash, we had Jim Trusty on a couple hours ago, and he was talking about how much time, uh, you know, working on a case like this is. Now with the president, former president facing these mm -hmm. charges, which will be unsealed on Tuesday, potential case down in Georgia, potential case with Jack Smith and January 6th, and all the other stuff. You see how, how many places they have things just brewing? It's, it, it's, the, it, I... It's like Gulliver's Travels. I never saw that, so I'm not, I can't, I don't know what you're talking about, but it's just, Does the just fucking ridiculous, bro. Don't you want to just go a while? Uh, how do you not put things together when you have fucking Schmuck Schumer on camera saying, oh, the intelligence agency has six ways a Sunday to get you? What it, the fuck does that mean, Chuck? They, of course, it's just the whole part we'll of do whatever it. it takes. It's just what, it's just part of it. They know what the, what's going on here. For example, let's go to this next. Well, listen to this. Uh, e even uh, even Chris Cuomo seems to be a little bit skeptical about this. That's because he's not on CNN anymore. I've seen a few videos of him where he has completely different viewpoints of shit he had when he was on CNN. Listen. Uh, so these concerns, you know. He's at with, uh, for, for those of you in, uh, in podcast land, he's at with, uh, on with Matt Taibbi. Everybody loves conspiracies these days. I'm not so sure that these investigations uh, aren't done in a way that winds up intentionally or unintentionally helping uh, the former president, to be honest, because every time there's a swing, it seems to expose the fact that they go after him with what seems to be at or below a level of anything that would be impressive to people reviewing the documents. What's your take on this? So so there you go. He, he I mean, he keeps going. I mean, we're going to listen to a little bit more, but this is the whole thing. It could be... Um, intentional or unintentionally going to boost the president and because people are looking at this and, and Matt Taibbi is not really a, a big fan of his uh, we knew that when he was rolling, writing for Rolling Stone and and elsewhere but I mean this is you have to understand this is being done with a blinding level of animus they do not care how much more popular Donald Trump gets if it was a matter of being able to hurt his popularity they would have taken him down with all the other things all the other methods that took they took everybody else down mm -hmm. a personal scandal this and that he's anti-fragile he's the only guy I know who can go into a hospital with a with a virus come out and get a boost in ratings he got a boost two times after every impeachment so they do not care about how much more popular he gets because if they thought that they could impact his popularity, they would have done it already. I mean, this is this is a run, uh, this is a run out the clock scenario. They know if they can put crazy people to work, working grand juries, working grand juries, working things that are civil cases, federal cases. If they can put all the prosecutors, they can call in all the king's horses, all the king's men in several states throughout the union. 
putting together things that will layer in a legal nightmare of a calendar for him for the next couple of years. That is all they're looking at. It's a run out the clock scenario. They know he's 76. They don't care about believability at this point. They are just they are just trying to lock him up at least with the time spent in the courtroom. And if they can get him to go to jail for at least one year, then it's at least he's going to miss out on 2024. And then you're talking about a man in his 80s if he gets out. He'll live to be 100 just despite these people. You know who doesn't give a shit? Blinky-doo. Rachel Maddow. Listen to this. Listen to what Uh. she suggested. With, with the other, the crazy hammer man, Lauren, you have to listen to what she's suggesting. Yeah, here. I know, but just look at the still. Like, you could, you could just tell, like, it's a fucking nut job. They're sterile pancake people. That's it. There's actually no life in their skin. They've got this kind of green-tinged skin. It's just the way it is. I mean, they're just sterile, awful people. But here she is asking Lawrence O'Donnell if if it would be possible, if uh, if Donald Trump offered to stay off the campaign trail if all of these if all these charges could be dropped i mean it's it's exactly what it's all about but go ahead you have to wonder if the justice department is considering whether there is some political solution to this criminal problem whether part of the issue if it's a if there's a political solution to a criminal problem it was never a criminal problem it was never a criminal problem. If you could, it's like, you know what? It, listen, okay, fine. You killed somebody. If you just don't, uh, come on. Just don't do it again. The issue here is not just that Trump has committed crimes, but that Trump has committed crimes and plans on being back in the White House. Do they consider, as part of a potential plea offer, something that would prescribe him, proscribe him from... From, from running for office again. I don't know. I, I would imagine if anything like that happened that it would have to come. Yeah, you, you just keep imagining, you old fuck. <laughs> what do you think that would go like? Trump, Trump in there negotiating with them. All right, look, this is what we'll do for you. No, no. no. I'm president now or no deal. <laughs> he walks out He walks out of the negotiating room and he, he actually finds a way to get them to make him president <laughs> immediately right then. Oh, my God. They're nuts. They're nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah, and, and then I watched that Jack Smith speak. It's no surprise to see that the uh, this Jack Smith guy down there in Florida is just another impotent pipsqueak of a man that, 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 that type... That is in complete control of the government. That's the type of person who's in complete control. And like I said, I said earlier on in the day, I don't, I don't hate the guy. He's a runt. He's a coward. He's an idiot. But not nearly as loathsome as the people who cheer him on, who think that this is a good thing. Those people are the lowest vibrational windbags on earth. I hate all of them. I'm, I'm just, I, I don't want to be filled with this kind of hate. I really uh, no, don't. you're not filled with it. It's just they're. It's you have to think of it a different way. They're not even. They're demons, bro. They're demons. All right, let's get this one started. We'll be right back. Timothy Alberino will be on with us in about ten minutes, seven minutes, something like that. Uh, it'll be good. It'll be a good night. I promise you, it will, Matt. Everything's gonna be okay. I hope, because uh, if Trump, we got two years left. This is my life is on the line. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring it up at some point. My life's on the line here, Trump. you got to win. All right, be right back. You tune in at your own enjoyment. 
because it is the best show since the beginning of time. It has technological advancements and a more sophisticated approach. But like every great awakening that has preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is a friend and truth is essential. You are now entering, quite frankly. Now take off your pants. And jacket. One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! Welcome to the show. I would love to encourage everybody to help me introduce this show to people who have never seen it before or reintroduce it to those who have, for one reason or another, floated away into internet land and forgot. Because there's a lot of uh, very easy ways to lose track of people you are interested in when you don't see them after a while. Please share the show with everybody you can. I put all the links out there on the official socials of Quite Frankly. And if you would like, if you are on YouTube or Rumble, please give this episode a like. I would love to have a, a thumb explosion going into the weekend. Throw me your thumbs. And uh, if you want to contribute to the show, to just generally support the show um, and sponsor us for the evening, become a super chatter. You could also tell me whatever's on your mind and contribute to the the pertinent topics of the evening or shout somebody out and whatever the hell you want to do. Quite frankly, superchat.com. That is for everybody to use. Quite frankly, superchat.com. There's also the Rumble Rants. There is the Gold Pills on Foxhole. And uh, the tips on Rockfin, we'll get around to all of them. First thing I want to do before I get into setting the table here is I want to read the little something. Mike from Maryland sent this to me. It's a nice clip from uh, from the boards today. Actually, this was this was last night. I think this is from 4chan. Said this. Listen, I think you'll like this, Matt. Yeah, yeah, I know. This is another LARP, right? Anyway, the plan is for multiple Trump indictments to bleed his support over time and, dem- and demoralize his base, convince them to move over to DeSantis and have him pardon Trump after he's elected. Trump poses a threat to the foreign policy priorities, only priorities that really matter in this town. Uh, uh, well, uh, the people who actually run things here, while DeSantis is a good goy, who knows how things work and will pay, play ball. Well, I mean, if you're going to go that, that route, Trump has played ball 
on that front. Um, but as far as Ukraine, uh, that that would be an end to it. Uh, DeSantis is all in on Ukraine. Uh, Trump would have ne- that would have never happened, especially since he was poking around. If he if only he had a good um, attorney general instead of Barr. That Ukraine thing, that was, oh man, there's so much to be said about this. Anyway, he goes on to say, they don't want to actually imprison him, logistically impossible to do anyway. Just break him politically in the last cycle he'll realistically be able to run in. They don't want Biden again, who's an embarrassment and erodes regime legitimacy, just see the military recruitment issues that they're having. And they think DeSantis will be able to restore the right-wing half of the country's faith in U.S. institutions again. Uh, what's interesting is the timing. DeSantis wasn't supposed to run until after the indictments dropped, and he was supposed to do so reluctantly. But Trump bits blitzkrieged him so hard right out of the gate that he had to speed up his timeline. A Trump-Biden election is viewed as catastrophic, so it's going to be hard to push between now and primary voting season to convince as many Republican voters as possible that Trump is supposedly unelectable. The polls will come out attempting to shape this reality, especially after each indictment. That's, um, but like I said, hey, it's just a LARP. Uh, That's a very, very astute. I think about 90, 95% of that I agree with. Or I can see playing out. Yeah, especially that timeline with DeSantis. That would explain why Trump was on such a huge preemptive strike with all of these, uh, with, with the, the, the DeSantis venom. That would explain a lot. I always wondered, what the hell does he know prior to? What is this really all about? And it flushed him out in there, into the light, and he's essentially been campaigning for months now, DeSantis. And now you got this. The only thing is that this is not going to show anybody he's unelectable. I mean, maybe some, some you know, boobs who actually just... I don't know, but this is not, this is not working. This is not working. I really don't think that, I mean, you can find a jury to, for anything these days, but with these higher cases, oh no. When you're talking about something outside of a civil situation, it, this is really just about running out the clock. It really is about running out the clock. If Trump was a younger man, I wonder, if he was only 68 years old, I wonder what they would be doing because this would not be the end of his viability. That would be interesting. So anyway, you know, I'm going to keep this unread so maybe we can talk about that later or I can save that for when Rich Barris comes on at the end of the month or maybe I'll push him to earlier. Who knows? But here's the other thing I wanted to bring up. This is from the, The Guardian. A whistleblower claims... The U.S. has alien vehicles, but where is the proof? I always ask the same. We always hear people have seen it and whatever, but I've never seen it. I never knew what pictures are real and what video has been doctored or whatever. Some prominent experts have expressed growing skepticism over whether the U.S. is harboring UFOs, as the government whistleblower who made the extraordinary claims has gone on to suggest the U.S. has also recovered alien bodies. Uh, David Grush... A former intelligence official who led analysis of unexplained anomalous phenomenon. I see. I thought that was unexplained aerial phenomena. When did, when did they change it to anomalous? Even that needed to be tinkered with? Within a U.S. Department of Defense agency, 
caused headlines around the world with his assertion that the U.S. has been collecting non-human crafts for decades. And he actually said that it was from uh, multiple species. He says many, many different species. That prompted the U.S. House of Representatives to announce an investigation into Grush's allegations with a hearing on the issue expected to be announced in the next few weeks. The hearing is set to be the latest official U.S. response in recent years to the issue of UAPs, which has raised heated speculation among UFO believers, as well as prompted national security concerns in America's about possibility of unknown craft from other states that could be penetrating U.S. airspace or operating around the globe. You see, UFO, but there's nothing to believe in with UFOs. There is plenty of unidentifiable craft up in the sky and people have no, most certainly seen new craft, being, the technology being tested by us that we're not supposed to know about. There's no doubt. The, the real question is, where did, these, where did the technology come from? And is every pilot in every last one of those very strange, almost uh, defying the, uh, the, the laws of physics crafts, is everybody inside of those objects flying them human? So there's nothing, as far as UFOs go, there's nothing to believe or disbelieve in. It's just a fact. Nobody knows all the things that's in the sky at night, and sometimes you catch a glimpse of one and you know you just saw something special. So really, this is all about, the headlines are here about origin. Origin stories. And here's another thing, weird timing, in a nation that is feeling a lot of a lot of tension all around, I want to go and I want to talk to uh, Timothy Alberino about this. Now, for those of you who have been around, you know Timothy Alberino, but he is an explorer, one who has spent many years in the jungles of South America and elsewhere in search of lost cities, lost civilizations, hidden treasures, legendary creatures. He's a published author. Uh, his book Birthright has uh, I I own Birthright. It's gotten a lot of a lot of people have talked and dissected it all over the internet. Themes from that book are going to be brought up tonight in this conversation, and uh, he's published a, a lot of great work that allows him to talk about esoteric topics, including alternative history, megalithic architecture, giants, mythologies, Bigfoot. We talked about a lot of those things, but cryptids. UFOs, alien abductions, and transhumanism. I think that might be popping up tonight. Welcome back to the show, Timothy Alberino. How you doing? Yo, Frank, nice to see you again. Hey, let me ask you something. Before we go on anywhere else, you're in Montana. How's that smoke for you? Because it's terrible for us. We have no smoke. Wow. Yeah, we are usually the ones who are blanketed in smoke when there's fires in Canada. But at, at the present moment, we have no smoke. I'm hoping the winds do not change for our sake. Yeah. I suppose for your sake, maybe. Well, Maybe I think need to. yeah, I think we're I think we're done with it. Um, I think we are. Yesterday was the last of the haze. There's still a little something going on out there, but it wasn't the orange skies that we had on Tuesday and Wednesday. But you know, I was just thinking because all the I was thinking about where you are and how most of the fires were in Western Canada. I thought you'd be blanketed, but I'm glad that the winds have been favorable. Yeah, we're in clear skies over here. All right. So listen, are, are you going out on an, on an adventure or? What is the uh, the deal? I know that you're going away earlier, uh, later on this month. That is going to be uh, a, 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 a public event with people. Is this is this pretty much like a resurrection of the the Amazon River ride that you were going to do? Um, 
the the Amazon boat thing was it was too early with the COVID stuff was still going on. So Peru had they had some policies in place, uh, vaccine policies and stuff. So we had to cancel that. Um, but this is different. This is a done deal. This is sold out event. Uh, it's a tour in Peru uh, that I'm conducting. Uh, it's really an expedition in Peru, um, up in Cusco, up in the Andes. You know, looking at the megaliths. Uh, I'll be in Peru next week in the jungle. I have property in the jungle in the city of Terrapoto in the Amazon basin. Uh, so I'll be hanging out there for a week, and then I'll be going up into the mountains and uh, conducting that event. Now, when you go up there, do you have, um, are you completely cut off? Do you have I, two-way radios for your staff, I'd have to imagine, but do you have satellite phones? Is there any way reception that is, that is uh, being beamed in there, or, or how isolated? in the jungle? Yeah, how isolated are you when you go in? No, the city of Terrapoto is a, a pretty modernized city. Uh, I would have called it a town 10 years ago, now it's a city. Um it's it's modernized they have internet and everything like that my my land is not my land is right up it's the last piece of property that you can get right up against the national reserve uh right up against a serious primary jungle hmm. um there's nobody there you have to cross the river four times to get to it so i don't have any cell phone service or anything out there um but in the in the nearby city there's all of those, uh, all of the uh, communication services are available. Well, that, that sounds like it's going to be a fun time. Um, I'd love to talk about a little bit more about that later on if we have any time. But, you know, when it comes to the, the topic for tonight, um, UFO reverse engineering disclosure is going on right now. And this is not the Nimitz being allowed to report on uh, that they're being they're often being swarmed by craft that they cannot identify timothy this is the a bob lazar level revelation about origin of things you know so we're 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 talking about the intelligence behind the tech now obviously it's all pentagon approved there's that because i mean it's been delivered by a man who admits he's not a primary source of information on on a hated mainstream media circuit that used to mock people for looking into stuff like this during a mm -hmm. time of deep geopolitical tension I mean, it's, it's tripped a lot of people's bullshit detectors, but, you know, we've always been a fan of uh, fake alien invasion talk, so w this could be the last card. How are you seeing it? Okay, well, I like to just focus on and analyze what this gentleman actually said, what David Grush actually said. That's what's important to me. Whether or not it's a PSYOP or whatever, I don't care. I'm only concerned with what he said and if it is verifiably true. And when I say verifiably true, I'm not talking about show me the documents, show me the craft, show me the bodies. You're never going to see any of that. Why? Because it's classified. They're not going to show you classified uh, documents. That's like saying show me the documents on our on our the new stealth fighters that we're developing right now. They're never going to show it to you. It's a national security issue. It's just not going to happen. So when I say verifiable, what I mean is, does it conform to the decades of excellent, competent ufology, UFO research? Does it conform to what we as ufologists know to be true? And the answer is absolutely 100% yes, resounding yes. There's nothing that that man said, nothing, that draws a red flag for me in terms of 
Is he trying to mislead the public? Is, he, is it a bait and switch? Is it a distraction? No, it's the truth. Now, what are his motives? What are the motives of the people perhaps who signed off on this? I don't know and I don't even care. All I care about is the allegation, is the, the veracity of the allegation. And, I, and from my position as a UFO researcher, the, it's true. What he said is true. And, and, and I, I'm speaking in unison with the majority of, of, of whom I would consider to be competent ufologists. Um, uh, yes, the United States government has been recovering crashed UFOs and reverse engineering them to some extent. They haven't been very successful in the reverse engineering because we're talking about exotic components. We can we can return to that point in a little while. And yes, we've recovered bodies. And this didn't happen yesterday. We've been doing this since at least 1947, the Roswell event, but even before that, really. Um, and so not, none of this is new to a ufologist. None of this is new to anybody who's been tracking with the UFO research. Um, if this guy would have come out and said something off the wall, something bizarre that doesn't conform with the data, uh, again, the body of data compiled by confident ufologists over the decades, then I would be concerned, then I would be talking about uh, why are they telling, th telling us things that are obviously not true? Um, but that's not the case. So motives, why are they allowing him to say this? I have some thoughts on that, but, but I, I don't, I don't know what his motives are. I, you know, if we take him at face value, he was frustrated because he was working in the Aero project. You know, obviously this guy comes from the intelligence community. He was, uh, uh he was an agent at, at the national, national geospatial intelligence agency and the national reconnaissance office. And of course he worked on in Aero and it was his work with the all domain anomaly resolution office, Aero the Pentagon's official UAP uh, investigative body that he began to encounter this secret program or at least whispers of this secret program. In fact, more than whispers because Arrow's existence um, is premised on the, the notion that there are unidentified anomalous phenomena out there and this body is supposed to this investigative body is supposed to find out what they are and so he started to pull this thread in regard to if these things are flying around and and we know that we know that they're real so the next obvious question is what have they crashed and have we recovered them do we have any hardware and as soon as he, as soon as he started to pull on that thread he got in trouble well first of all um, according to his testimony, other intelligence officials uh, came to him in private to confirm it, that that is in, in, indeed the truth, and have come forward, by the way, to Congress and to the, journalist, uh, the journalists Leslie Keene and Ralph Blumenthal, who broke the story. By the, wall, by the way, those are the journalists who really kicked off this whole thing back in 2017. So this is a continuation of, the, of their reporting, really. It's really a, a major escalation in their reporting. And so he hit this wall because their task, you have to understand, they pulled him over from the intelligence community, investigate UA UAPs, right? And, and he's going at it, and he's following this thread, and he hits, he hits a wall. And not only does he hit a wall, but he gets, starts getting threatened from private um, contractors, 
which makes perfect sense to me. That's exactly who you would encounter when you hit this wall. And uh, and so it all, the story seems very plausible to me. Everything I know about uh, ufology and 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 everything that uh, I know to be true, um, it conforms. His story conforms, and so he wasn't he wasn't read in. He wasn't allowed to be read into this program because it is uh, it's it's got majestic clearance. You can't. They're not going to read. That's just a big some guy working that, at the Pentagon and do a program and 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 bring him into the underground base to see all the crap that they've been trying to reverse engineer and then open up the freezers and show him the bodies. It's not going to happen. Still, it's a big ballsy move for somebody to who just feels burned by work to go out to the media something like this. He just seems way too comfortable doing it. Not burned by work. His life is being threatened by private contractors. Private contractors. So if you it, let's use Area 51 because everybody, everybody knows about Area 51. I don't think there's anything at Area 51 anymore. I'm sure they moved the operation after Bob Lazar's whistleblowing uh, incident back in the 90s. But if you were to try and approach the Area 51 military installation, who would meet you? Who would you be confronted by? You'd be confronted by guys and probably wearing all black or some kind of camo and they would be heavily armed who would who would these individuals be would this be the u.s military would this be the national guard no these are private contractors that's who you would be confronted with and these private contractors uh they're not doing this job because they're patriotic they're doing this job because they're a certain kind of personality profile and they're getting paid really well and 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 that personality profile is often very aggressive and so these individuals are famously i should rather i should say infamously very aggressive very aggressive individuals and so it's not hard for me to imagine that when he started knocking on this door wanting to be read into this program these guys are threatening his life hmm. and perhaps threatening his family um and so in this environment, he has two options now. He can he can shut up and go away and go focus on something else within the Aero program. Hey, let's go look at this incident where there was a light in the sky, which which would seem at, at, at this point ridiculous to him because now he's got information about reverse engineering craft. That's obviously much more important. Or he can do something that was never available before to a whistleblower, ever, ever. And that is to a... To a um, uh, rather, let me say, was never a available before to a UFO whistleblower. He can go to Congress, who's already has a body in Congress, a committee investigating UFOs, demanding information from the government. He can go there. That never existed before. That is new. That's only a, a year or two old. And he, now he has cover from the media who now accepts the reality of UFOs. This is a different environment now. This is a completely different playing field. So these conditions didn't exist before. This individual five years ago would have had nowhere to go. He couldn't go to the media and he couldn't go to Congress because Congress and the media would have just laughed him out the door. But that has changed. And so that's why we now have a whistleblower and why we didn't before. I'm not saying this to try and validate to you this individual or his background or whatever. No, that's, I'm not saying that. All I can tell you is that what he's saying is true and the conditions have changed for disclosure. Now we are living in an environment where this kind of disclosure can 
indeed occur. And if you're being threatened, if your life's being threatened, if you feel that you have a legitimate reason to be concerned, and this isn't just some Joe Schmo, this is an intelligence guy, okay? So, and he has connections, I'm sure, all over the government and probably in Congress as well. So he goes to Congress. He goes to the, to the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community. He asks if he can get these documents. Now, that's interesting that they allowed him to, but who knows? Maybe this is his pal. I don't know. Um, and by the way, before I... Uh, Take a breath here and 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 shut up for a while. <laughs> well, you're um, doing great. Um, we we have to we have to understand that. Uh, I'm going to take a breath and shut up right now because I just forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, man. You know, it's all that. It's it'll all come, that, It'll come back to me. I'm it's sure. all the Canadian smoke. You know, you're doing you're doing it's great. The thing. Canadian, yeah, that's right. I have so many things. Just from what you said, there's so many things that pop up for me. Number one, I, a stupid little aside thing because I want to get into what you said about him really just speaking truth, we can talk about the messenger and why it's coming now. Uh, but then again, why it's coming now could just be explained as easily as, like you, like you just said, there are avenues for people with legitimate things that they want to say that are available to them that never was, and maybe they're taking advantage of it. Some people could say that the creation of that whistleblower system was a venue for these kind of these scams to be hyped up and given legitimacy so you can lead public opinion in one way or another. Let's also keep in mind, I always tell people this, beware of the whole media. Once the media, the media knows all that engages in every day is psychological subversion. They understand how people work, especially in groups, and how they perceive information and trigger words and all that stuff. They know what the trends are. They know how we're feeling, how we're acting toward each other, what kind of temperament we're in. Once they know that the majority of people don't believe them on most issues, that in itself becomes a deception opportunity for the media. You know, Or perhaps they're looking for redemption. Yeah, to try and get their ratings back. That could, yeah, redemption, or or they just keep going with whatever the hell they they intended to do. Um, so it's true, one hundred percent on a. And 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 I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah. I just remember what I was going to say, and I don't want to forget it. Um, uh, what I was going to say was we have to keep in mind too, and I'll make this very quick. There's there's dueling narratives here. There, this is factional. Something's going on inside of the deep state, what I call the dumb state, the deep underground military bases, because that's where this stuff is housed, right? That's that's where the 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 UFO, the real programs are are underways in these deep underground military bases, special access programs, black budget programs. Uh, the president of the United States does not have clearance to access them. Um, so there are dueling narratives. There are it's factional. There are some factions that absolutely do not want anything whatsoever disclosed whatsoever okay and and there's nothing they can do about it because it because of the everybody's got a cell phone now and obviously but but they would prefer that nobody knows anything they want to continue to operate in complete secrecy um these are government agencies and these are military contractors aerospace contractors security firm contractors then then you have on the other side you have elements of the government, and when I say the government, we're talking very broadly here, but primarily the Pentagon, who probably know they want to start having this discussion about UAPs. Why? Because the phenomenon is burgeoning. Okay, there's no way around it. You got to discuss it, and they want it. They want to come clean with some of this to the American populace, and maybe they don't even know the extent of what's going on, like the reverse-engineered craft and all that. They, they, maybe they don't know, but they do know that w the government knows a lot more than it's saying, and so they're pushing within the government, within the Pentagon, 
they're pushing within Congress for there to be more disclosure. And then you got the Pentagon who's sitting in between, the official narrative. The Pentagon and NASA and the intelligence community, what are they doing? They are desperately trying to control the narrative. That's what they're doing. They're trying to control this narrative. And that is crystal clear. Uh, keep in mind that what happened a week ago, what happened right before, you know, basically a week before this this bombshell whistleblower testimony, do you remember? NASA comes out. NASA had an advisory board. Uh, they, I think about a year ago, they tasked an advisory board to study UAPs, UFOs, you know, because the American populace, when you think about aliens and, and testimony about aliens, most Americans are going to think NASA. Well, what is NASA saying? They're the ones out in space, right? So what does NASA do? They come out and they give like a preliminary, they, they do a hearing on their findings thus far. And what's the first thing that they say? Dan Evans, who's the the the, the study director um, at this recent hearing a week ago, what does he say? Listen to what he says, okay? Because I'm trying to show you how there's dueling narratives going on. This is very important. He comes out and he says this, I want to emphasize this loud and proud that there is absolutely no convincing evidence for extraterrestrial life associated with UAPs. So there's your official narrative, okay? And then on the other side of this whistleblower, you had the Pentagon that came out and basically said that, uh, um, I'm trying to find the exact uh, uh, quote here from the Pentagon. Basically the Pentagon said, no, we don't, this is what they said, I found the quote. To date, Arrow has not discovered any verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession or reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past or exist currently. There's the government narrative. That's what the Pentagon wants you to think. Combine that NASA statement with that Pentagon statement. There's your narrative. That is the official narrative. The whistleblower, that's a different factional issue. And then the guys who want complete, absolute secrecy, that's, a, that's the other side of this situation. So I want everyone to understand, there are dueling narratives going on here. There is a, there's like a, um, a cold war going on behind the scenes as it regards to the disclosure of what the government knows about UFOs. This is, okay. I'm I'm glad it took this direction that the uh, the conversation about narrative control because this is the thing that I really can't figure out for myself or even form a, a theory that appeases me in any way, shape, or form. When we talk about there's conflicting narratives within certain bureaucracies on this one thing, or there's conflicting you know there's a narrative being uh, built up on the media about any any one thing. I mean, the, we always forget what they're building the narrative about are intelligent, supposedly vastly intelligent life forms that are, are in possess of knowledge and technology that allows them to traverse time and space. So I, I, I would, when I think about lowly, earthly media organizations and even uh, governments being able to put forth a narrative that controls our ability to perceive that kind of an intelligence presence, that's laughable to me. It, it tells me that the aliens, if they exist, they don't want to be seen or they don't exist because how the hell can 
the New York Times and the Pentagon put up a firewall between us being able to make contact with a uh, an intelligence that's floating around out there and apparently but has some interest in us. Like, what is the real firewall there? I, I, I don't I don't understand that how narratives could even be controlled. They like can't. The, oh, that's why. That's what I always say. The Pentagon cannot control the phenomenon. All they can do is control the narrative. So, um, sorry, my son just walked in the room here as we're talking. All right. Um, so, um, the Pentagon cannot control the phenomenon. They can only control the narrative. They know they can't control the phenomenon. Everybody's got a cell phone. I mean, it, where I'm going in the, in, the, in the jungle, my neighbors in that property I was telling you about, they, they got a cell phone out there. But, I mean, but, everybody's got a cell phone. But now, that's the thing. You, you can't stop people from taking pictures and video. They're going to lose control at some point. They know it. The phenomenon is burgeoning, and so they're trying to stay in front of the narrative and control it. But when you go outside with your cell phone and you take a picture of a UFO, it's not a, it's, you know, that's what I was saying. It's not like catching dragonflies. It's not this this bug that has very limited base programming and instinct. We're talking about a, a unified, identified, uh, unidentified object up there. Uh, if it's being flown and operated by an extraterrestrial I I intelligence, then it's not just, oh, I'm taking part, I'm looking at this, this craft in the air, and it's just moving around. There's something inside of there. Why is there no revelation from them? I mean, they don't need, I mean, there's no way that a, that's what I mean by, a, there's no way that an earthly media outlet could ever really keep us from uh, a confirmation if they don't actually want to be seen by a massive amount of people. Simple answer is they don't, they're not talking to us, they're doing something else. Mm. Um, and I think that you would find the answer, the, the, the more profound answers, I think, are to be found within the abduction material, the alien abduction material. And it's, it's interesting because... Here we are. We're talking about, and I'll quote David Grush, we're talking about retrieving a program that was retrieving and is non-human origin. This is, these are his words, non-human origin technical vehicles. Call it spacecraft, if you, if you will, non-human exotic origin vehicles that have either landed or crashed. Does that sound familiar to you? Do you remember back in 2017... Uh, when da Eric Davis, the astrophysicist who is a was at least at the time a consultant to the Pentagon in regard to UFOs, remember this? Eric Davis said, "quote uh, that they had quote off that he had rather that he had handled and examined quote off-world vehicles not made on this Earth," and uh, he was Pentagon consultant and. Uh, and, and is an astrophysicist uh, working uh, at um, Baylor University, I believe. I believe it's Baylor. I'm not 100% sure. So uh, this, is, this is, I think, the real story. When you cut through all the UAP bullcrap, because they, as I think I've, we've talked about this before, they, they intentionally changed the nomenclature. They did that intentionally. And that sort of reveals their hand and how they want to control this narrative. They don't want us to think about crash retrievals. They don't want us to think about nuts and bolts technology. They don't want us to think about uh, alien abductions and cattle mutilations. They want us to think about lights in the sky, anomalous phenomena that we don't know what it is. That's what they want us to think about, okay? They want us to think that they're just now taking an interest in this. They do not want us to realize what Grush is saying. They do not want us to realize that they have known about this. Not only do they have knowledge 
of what's going on. They've got the, they can, they can touch the craft right now. They've got the technology. They've got the bodies, and so um, this is as I said. This is just as as um, fantastical as it sounds. It, it it conforms to what ufologists have known for decades. So then let's talk about another part of what he had said. He was saying that not only that we were collecting craft, but that we have been, and he was asked about how many different species, he said, oh, many. He said many species, many, many artifacts from species. First of all, I keep wondering myself, how the, why the hell can all species, one species, uh, species or 10, how the hell can they travel all this way from one a dimension over or two or whatever? Why is everybody cra- why so many crashes? I don't understand the crashing. I don't understand that um, at all. First of all, let's understand that there's probably way more, way more activity than we can see, because these ships are cloaked, and you know I don't I hate to use Star Trek terminology, but they're cloaked. There, you can't see them. Most of the time, you can't see these craft. We know this from Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar talked about he he got to see this, the, the particular craft, the sports model that he worked on, as he as he refers to it, the sports model, the one that was in working condition that he was trying to figure out the, how the reactor worked on it. It was a matter antimatter reactor that used element one fifteen. Um, he got to see it in operation at least on one occasion, and on this particular occasion, he noticed that the craft. It, it came off the ground and it hovered a little bit and then when it when it was fully energized or more energized it became almost completely invisible at least from certain vantage points why because the craft is distorting the space-time continuum around it so it's bending light it's using gravity waves so we know that gravity bends light so if the craft is producing a gravity wave it's going to bend the light around it and therefore render it invisible so that's why you would see these craft blinking in and out of existence or you know visible and then invisible because it's it depends on how the craft is operating according to Lazar who I absolutely believe. So and I think this by the way is a conf- as you said in the beginning you rightly you rightly frame this as a Lazar level declaration event in 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 terms of this whistleblower. So um we have to understand that there's probably way more of these things out there than 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 we see. So imagine all the craft that people are now are now glimpsing and taking pictures of. Because there's a lot, by the way, there's a lot. Um, there are a lot of UFO sightings now, and there are pictures. Everybody's getting pictures of UFOs on their cell phones. Lot, not everybody, but you know what I mean. Uh, a lot more people than used than 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 before than years past. I myself had a close encounter with one of these craft. I mean, um, and those are the ones that we see. But what about all the ones that we can't see? And here's, so crashing, the craft is crashing. Fine, crashing, advanced technology, they come to Earth, they crash. How is that possible? Uh, well, first of all, they're not not—they're—they're they're not infallible. These are just nuts and bolts hardware. I don't care how advanced it is. Um, it's There's going to be situations in which it malfunctions, right? That's number one. Number two... What if they're shooting each other down? Mm. I mean, what if there's what if there's warfare happening and we don't see it? What if that thing that and I don't know if this story is true or not. I, I don't know, but you know the thing that happened in Vegas and it looks like a, a flare or a meteor or perhaps a, some kind of a craft. What if that thing got shot down by a different UFO? Um, 
it's it, there's there there's a there's a handful of different reasons why these crash these craft would crash now that's not to say that they're crashing all the time that's obvious i've never seen one crash you've never seen one crash nobody you know or nobody i know has ever seen a ufo come out of the sky and crash definitely not so they're in not the city. crashing all the time definitely not in a city either you know, it would be something else if they could finally have one of those crashes right over Times Square. Then you're talking about thousands of people who are suddenly just in the presence of an alien craft. That would be... Yeah, right, but there's there's things that could be said about that as well. However, so think about, let's say that the government has, I think a, some, some story broke today that the Biden administration know, has like 14 of these things or something that they know about. Okay. Let's double it. Let's say there's 30. Let's say we got 30 of these things. You are talking about since, what, nine, the 1920s, the 1930s? So we get one a decade or something? Less than one a decade? That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about craft just randomly falling out of the sky left and right. Mm. We're talking about rare occasions, very rare occasions. These are special incidences, special events in which something happens and these craft for, for one reason or another come down. And it could be, there could be a hundred explanations for, we don't know what kind of technology exactly they're using. We know some of them are probably using matter-antimatter reactors and producing gravity waves. Is there something that interferes with that te technology? Is there some sort of an atmospheric thing on Earth? That was not the case where these things were fabricated and they're running into issues. Are they shooting each other down? Are there prosaic reasons why these things might crash that maybe the entities died? I don't know. Um, probably some of these things are being piloted autonomously. They're drones. Um, others maybe are just being piloted by artificial intelligence, which would be the drones. But I also, but I also am referencing biological cybernetic beings that are not fully biological and that are not fully cybernetic, but are are not fully artificial intelligence or hardware, but are a combination of biological and synthetic components. Um, so there's a myriad of reasons why these things might crash, but pe but I think there's this false notion out there that these things are just crashing left and right. Mm. Um, that's obviously not true. Again, we're talking about, even if there's 30 of them that we have, we're talking about since the 1920s. We're talking about at least since the 1930s, at least since the 1930s. I think we've been aware of these vehicles and recovering them. Um, and perhaps maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's even way before that, but, well, it, but it, definitely where, where, the 1930s. Wherever it is, if you're able to put a line in the sand where you say this is when the phenomenon, so we start collecting them, we start having really um, uh, unprecedented interactions with them, seeing them all over the place, I'd love to know what that, that beckoning call, where, where the real interest in the planet uh, really really began. Um, well, okay, so you, you mentioned multiple factions. I don't know how many factions are out there. I, I suspect there's at least a few disparate factions um the ones that ufologists have been talking about most vociferously for decades are you have you have the nordics that look like us um you have the tall whites that look like maybe like those cloning that cloning race from the star wars mm -hmm. uh prequels 
Um, they call those the tall whites. Then you have the grays, which are the little gray alien, the classic alien being, and the insect, uh, the insectolins that govern, that are the administ administrators of the abduction program. So those are three factions right there. And then you have reptilians. So those are four potential factions, and there may be more, or maybe there's a, those are blended together somehow, or maybe maybe a couple of those aren't real. I'm absolutely 100% convinced the Greys are real and the Nordics. Those two, 100% for sure. Um, How? Really, all four of those groups, I think, are 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 real factions. And as crazy as that, that sounds, maybe in three, four, five years from now, I'm. This isn't going to sound crazy at all. I mean, retrieving crashed UFOs, you know, and bodies. That sounded crazy to most people. Uh, a week ago, now I think not so much anymore. So you have at least those factions which are likely in play on some level, on some level. Well, what's your what, um, what's your go-to evidence for? Like you say, Nor you're 100% convinced Nordic and Greys. I've I've heard about them, the Blue Avians. I've 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 loved going into all this stuff and reading people's uh, you know breakdowns of of where they've been uh, noted. Is there any is there any go-to evidence that you when you say, "Well, there's there's no evidence for this," I can't I can't believe it, and whatever. Where is there a? Where's there a? You know, a tens, tens of millions of human beings are encountering these things routinely, and have been for decades. It's called the abduction phenomenon. And 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 they, uh, and as we and as I've talked about, I think at length on your show before, this in this when I talk. I talk about abduction phenomenon and abduction research material. We're talking about scientific data that has been collected by competent researchers over the decades that, that is corroborated all over the earth. It is absolutely undeniable when you take a deep dive into the abduction phenomenon. Don't look at the stuff on the internet now. It's tainted. It's new agey. It's weird. I'm talking about go back to the old school guys. Go back to... Uh, John Mack, go back to Bud Hopkins, go back to Carla Turner, go back to uh, David Jacobs, these kind of people who are credentialed, who are serious individuals, um, and who did extremely uh, good investigative research uh, on the topic and have and have compiled a body of data that, in my, in my opinion, is unimpeachable, conclusive, 100% conclusive that the abduction phenomenon is real, People are encountering these entities. They're always encountering the same suite of entities most of the time from all over the world, same kind of circumstances, corroborating from every walk of life, every culture. It, it's it's just undeniable. Hmm. It's absolutely undeniable. Oh, and, I, and then, of course, yeah. as I think I've said on your program before, when you look at this body of evidence, the, the abduction material, alien abduction material, um, you have every kind of evidence that you would present in a court of law to prove a case and you would prove that case conclusively you have physical evidence you have you have eyewitness testimony you have chemical analysis and residue left by the creatures you have you have in some cases um uh you have individuals who are gone and being searched for from the police in the neighborhood are out looking for them when they're during this time that they're abducted you have community abductions you have mass abductions where where uh, dozens of people are taken at the same time you have instances in which people who have no i have never met each other ever there in their entire life 
suddenly recognize each other in a grocery store. Why? Because they they met each other on the craft. They were abducted at the same time. You have just and it goes on and on and on. The missing the, the missing pregnancies. The missing pregnancies are the things the, that really exactly. Getting. Thank you for saying that. That's one of the big biggest one is the is the the. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the the technical term, the missing fetal phenomenon, whatever it's called. That yes, women are impregnated, uh, impregnated with a hybrid uh, zygote, and and uh, it's placed into their uterus, and it, and it grows into a fetus, and 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 by three months thereabouts, before they really start to show, they're reabducted, and the, and the fetus is extracted. And many of these women have gone to their, I always screw up this acronym, OBGYN, and and have it confirmed they think they're having a baby and and the, and they're they're excited about it and then in a couple months it's gone no miscarriage no nothing it's just gone and it's documented and some of these women are virgins so um i mean and that's all that's what i'm talking about i'm not talking about i watched a video on youtube i'm not talking about i read a book I'm talking about a compendium of knowledge that has been compiled over decades by competent researchers with every kind of evidence that you could possibly want as it pertains to the veracity of the abduction phenomenon. And um, believe me, the government does not want to open that Pandora's box. They do not want that Pandora's box opened, rather. They do not want us to look into the abduction stuff or to even be talking about abductions. They want us to talk about UAPs, unidentified uh, anomalous phenomena. That's where they want the conversation to be. They do not want to talk about reverse engineered craft and bodies. Mm. So at least the official the official narrative doesn't want to go there. David Jacobs was a was a, a big eye opener for me, and uh, I've heard a, quite a few of his interviews. I have not read any of his books yet, but I always thought it was that was just absolutely fascinating stuff. But when you talk about multiple species, this brings up another thing I, I wanted to bring up. To, and it, I think we're going to start getting down into the uh, the ancient details of all this now, and it ins it it inspired some more of the same debates around the internet of course when they hear this it's mostly do you think that it's a media larp or not and then when you get beyond that you actually start talking about the idea of extraterrestrial intelligence in in general it always inspires the same stuff and it's it's a lot of different stances people take about whether or not um god's universe is filled with various species of intelligent life and um, I know religious people who are offended at the thought that, in, uh, that intelligent, non-human, organic creatures could exist. I know religious people who are totally excited by the idea because whatever is out there would be part of God's creation as well. And then Leo Zagami was on last night. He says he sends his regards, by the way. And he explained uh, his use. Love Leo Zagami. Yeah. Well, he, he, last night he was talking a little bit about this, too, and he was explaining his use of the term demonic aliens. So... There's the fallen angels who pose as well, aliens group. What? Uh, well, I, I Leo and I would would probably agree. Uh, in, I would agree with the connotation of the word demonic for sure. Um, we might disagree when it when it comes down to the definition of what a demon is, because that's and it depends on what your context is. Um, and and by the way, any any Christian, any any anyone who subscribes to the biblical text who is offended by the notion of extraterrestrial life is not thinking logically about the text. 
is they're just not thinking logically. They're not thinking rationally about the text, about the biblical text. Because as I've said on your program before, the biblical narrative presumes the existence of extraterrestrial beings. Full stop. Presumes the existence outside and, of uh, outside of demons and, and angels, though. Like, are they're talking about like almost like reptilian? Well, forget about those terms. Throw those terms out the window. They're they're meaningless right now. I'm talking about sentient, non-human entities whose provenance is not planet Earth. The the biblical narrative presumes that reality right out of the gates. Um, and there's you know that's a whole long conversation but but it's absolutely presumed now people can quibble over uh are we talking about interdimensional beings are we talking about extraterrestrial beings what exactly we're we talking about it doesn't matter what i just said is 100 factual in regard to the biblical narrative we are talking about sentient extraterrestrial enti entities whose provenance is not planet earth i don't care where it is, I don't care if it's Narnia. But it's but, not the Earth. But Timothy, when you think about one of the the insectoids that you're talking about, there, let's let's think about like an arachnid species or something. And then there's a reptilian. Then there's the tall whites. Then there's the Nordics. Thinking about those uh, uh, compared to I, what exact? I know what you're talking about when you say extraterrestrial, not of this Earth. And in that, under that that umbrella, would be things like demons and uh, a angels. Not demons. Demons are terrestrial. They're terrestrial. Angels. Angels. angels, okay. Certainly. So then there's a, for a lot of people, when you think of an angel from the Bible, they would not think that a, a reptilian, a flesh and blood in whatever sense that, of the word uh, creature that does not originate from this planet would put be put in that same that same spot. I think we're, we're more so talking about a, 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 these these creatures, not so much biblical, I don't know, powers and giants you know, of that of that ilk i don't know i don't know how to to really explain it There's well what you have what what you have i think clearly what you have is you have non-human biological entities you have non-human biological ent entities okay the fact that they're non-human makes them alien by the way um these are sentient beings so are we to presume that they all come from the earth or from an interdimensional world, the multiverse or something, because that's, this is the, it, see this whole multiverse thing, this whole interdimensional thing, I subscribe to the hyperspace theory of the universe. Uh, I believe that there are facets of the universe in which we inhabit this universe that are imperceivable. These are dimensional layers of reality that we cannot perceive, but these are hyperspatial realities. In other words, they're not a separate universe. It's not a different uh, dimensional world. Rather, it's dimensional facets of the universe that we presently inhabit, but that we cannot perceive. That is what I subscribe to. to. So if someone says to me, do you believe in a m more dimensions than the, the than the three spatial dimensions and the one of time. My answer is yes, I do. In fact, I would I tentatively subscribe tentatively subscribe to string theory, but I do not subscribe to the multiverse theory that's attached to string theory. It's not it's not uh, necessary 
in regard to the theory itself, string theory, it's sort of an, an addendum to string theory. I'm talking about the multiverse theory. The multiverse theory, as I'm sure your listeners know, because it's in the Mar it, this is what's in the Marvel universe. This is what's, and a lot of these concepts are just sort of blended together. And so there's a lot of confusion. But the multiverse theory is that there are multiple universes all around us and being created all the time, and that these universes can sometimes interact, and and they're just there's maybe millions and billions of these alternate universes all around us. Um, that's that is. I don't subscribe to that. But I do subscribe, as I said, to more dimensional facets of our universe that we can't perceive. Okay, so I do subscribe to that. And 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 let me, because I always like to ask this question to people who are contemplating multi uh, multiple dimensions, interdimensional beings. We don't know what another dimension looks like. The, the, and, and when we talk about more dimensions, if we talk about higher dimensions, because there's so many different ways to talk about dimensions, if we talk about higher dimensions, higher spatial dimensions, we are now in a realm of thought in which our brains, our three-dimensional brains, cannot, do not have the ability to conceive of more than three spatial dimensions in one of time. It's impossible. You cannot, you cannot envision in your mind a hypercube. You can't do it. That would be a, a four-dimensional cube. You can't do it. I can't do it. Nobody can do it. We don't know what they look like because our brains cannot even envision them. Our brains only can, can compute the three-dimensional world. That's how we're created. That's what we inhabit. And so when we talk about dimensions and dimensional realities, when, when, you have to sort of parse what, what's going on here. What, what are people actually talking about? Are we talking about higher dimensions, higher than the three spatial and one of time? So that would be like beings that live in a, a fourth dimension, let's say, uh, that, that are completely foreign to us. We can't see them, but they're here. There's a fourth dimension. That's one concept, and that may be very real. Or are we talking about a dimension that is a dimensional world in and of itself, and I always say this because it's the best example, we're talking about Narnia. We're talking about you walk through your closet, you walk through your wardrobe, and you are in a new world that is totally disconnected from the Earth, but it's not part of our known universe. It's a different universe altogether. That would be a dimensional world. But then we also have uh, the multiverse, which is a little bit different than that. The multiverse is a different, even, I think, crazy concept. It's, I think it's ridiculous. And then so set those aside, set all that aside, because, yes, theoretically, all, the, all of those are possibilities, of course. But then we have this one other possibility that's sitting on the table, and it is the most, I think, the most rational possibility, the most obvious one. It's the Occam's razor of this whole situation. We have other planets in our universe. We live on a planet. That's where we come from. When we look at a telescope, and if I look at through a good telescope, I can see the contours of Mars. I can see on Jupiter. I can see I can see the rings of Saturn. I did the other day through. I have access to a high-powered telescope. Sometimes, it's absolutely fascinating. So I don't understand like the knee-jerk reaction to say no, 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 no. It can't be those the ones that I can actually see through the freaking telescope. I, I'm living on one of those things. It, it can't be that. No, no, it can't be that. That's too crazy for some reason. Instead, 
it's interdimensional or it's from a multiverse or something. And I don't even know what that is. None of us have ever seen that there is no proof whatsoever, absolutely zero, that there is another dimension, let alone th that there's an ability to go between them. There's no proof of that whatsoever. And I'm not saying that you can't. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the simplest answer is the one we can see with our eyes through a telescope. And if these beings are in possession of advanced aerospace vehicles, which they are, um, that can, can traverse through water and the, through the uh, water in the very same way it traverses through the air. In other words, it makes no splash. Why? Because it's not moving through the medium of water. It's not moving through the medium of the air. It's creating a gravity bubble. The space-time is moving around the craft. It's not moving through space. Space is moving around the craft. So if it can move like that, then why can't it go into outer space? Oh, I, I, why, can't it, why can't it go to the moon? Why can't it go to Mars? It can. Yeah, well, the, so, well it's, you know, when it comes. I apologize for the rant, uh, Frank. I just worked up over all this over the last few days. No, no. I what I wanted to try to 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 refocus you on, though, really was it was just about. I mean, as far as where they come from, or what the real pancake makeup of conscious the conscious universe is, whether it be multiverse, string, whether it, there's none of that at all. What I'm saying is, like right here, right now. Um, people have a hard time conceiving of there being a, a chance to be anything else other than us because of one Why? I, I, I just told you there's a lot of people have different interpretations uh, biblically what's going on there other people believe that we, we, we there is the, you know space isn't even real so there can't be anything coming in uh, uh, intergalactically uh, you mean I'm just saying it, what this has brought up because the whistleblowers talked about multiple species in collecting their technology is this idea of well how can there be multiple species if all aliens are demons or or and vice versa or, or something else and right. i wanted to bring this up in particular one of the first shows you came on with me you did you described the um, the insurrection of in heaven uh, being yes. described as a kinetic war, you know, whose fallout could be seen all over the universe. And that still messes with me because yes. when I think of angels, I don't see them needing craft or laser cannons. That's something I've always, the imagery that we get from alien invasion movies like Independence Day. So, um, so when it comes to craft origin, how do we know if a craft was heaven made or made from just an off world biological intelligence? Well, to begin with, um, I suppose we need to deal with the term demonic very quickly. So demonic would reference anything that's malevolent or nefarious. That's, that's a separate term from demon. The term demon references if you are within the context of the biblical narrative. Okay, so let's get into the context of the biblical narrative and let's deal with the word demon because this is the one that's in everybody's head. So a demon within the ancient Hebrew worldview their cosmology a demon is is and only is the disembodied spirit that proceeded from the bodies of dead nephilim in other words dead giants so those giants were unsanctioned creatures they were never supposed to exist they were abominations they were the combination of the watchers these angelic entities and human women they were the result of the procreation the procreative activity between the the watchers and human women now let me stop right there procreative activity 
What does that tell you? If you're thinking logically, if you're thinking rationally about this, that's telling you that you're dealing with two compatible species right there. They can procreate, okay? So, but these, so a demon, again, within the context, within the ancient Hebrew context, is exclusively the disembodied spirit of a Nephilim that perished in the world before the great flood. That's what they are. These are the unclean spirits that we encounter in the New Testament. These are the unclean, the, the, the Gadarene demoniac legion, this man who was filled with multiple probably thousands of demons and legion a roman legion was anywhere from three to six thousand men so the demon called itself legion because there were so many of them inhabiting this guy these are disembodied spirits inhabiting this person uh those do not come from anywhere else but planet earth and 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 th that is the very a uh, narrow hmm. definition of demon according to the hebrew cosmology according to hebrew cosmology now the broader definition of and i don't even know if there is a a, a western definition of demon but the broader a uh, conception conceptualization of demon in the west in the western world is abstract it's it's an abstract abstract con uh uh concept it's not one particular thing so in the minds of most Americans, secular or Christian, and in the minds of most Westerners in general, a demon doesn't have a definition. It's just that thing that's scary and grotesque and malevolent and evil, mm -hmm. that non-human thing. That's what demon is. It's not a specific thing. It's just a non-human, evil, bad thing. Uh, sec that's how a secular person would think of demon. A Christian would add and is in a in a and in, in has a posture of enmity with god right so that would be the addendum from the christian perspective so this is a nefarious creature that is that is uh evil and its intentions are against god and against mankind so that's a demon well that's a very 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 broad term which means almost nothing it means almost nothing because it because it can mean almost anything. Therefore, it means almost nothing. So that term, I have no use for it because most people, when they talk about a demon, they're not talking about it within the contextual origin of the term, going all the way back to the, uh, to the ancient Hebrew. Um, we can talk about the Greek. You can, you can research how the, the Greek word uh, daimon and daimonion and all of this is maybe has a little bit of a different connotation, but even in the Greek lore, because that's where the word demon comes from. The, the word demon comes from daimon in the Greek. And that word, you know what that refers to? It refers to the spirits of the heroes who perished where? In the world before the flood. That's who the demons, that's who the, so it's like the same terminology. That's the same concept. These are disembodied spirits. Those spirits are earth born. They were born here. They, they proceeded from the bastard sons of the watchers and they are in a in a they are in a condition that is a curse according to the book of enoch they're cursed to wander the earth bodiless hungry thirsty having all of this sexual desires and all of the carnal desires but without flesh with which to fulfill them through which to fulfill them and so they're in this miserable terrible tormenting condition it's a curse and so what do they want they're seeking bodies to inhabit and this is how we always encounter them in the in the in the new testament so that's what a demon is. Now let's return to this broad 
nonsensical almost concept of a demon in the Western world, secular and Christian. Well, and keep it, keep it, keep it um, uh, related to the, the the UFO phenomenon in particular well, that's where too. I'm going. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's where I'm going. So, so, so in in regard to the UFO phenomenon, the the Hebrew the Hebrew concept of the demon, the the Hebrew definition of the demon, to me doesn't apply. That's a that's they're a different thing. I don't think they have anything to do with UFOs and aliens. However. If you take the Western conceptualization of this term demon, then it, I suppose it could apply to anything. Mm. It could apply to the boogeyman. It could it could apply to anything, really. It could apply to Bigfoot. It doesn't matter because as long as you perceive it to be malevolent, then you can just take that brush demon and paint it over anything. So if you mean by demon, if you mean that these beings are malevolent, then I'm only going to agree with you halfway because I would say some of them are malevolent. And when I say them, I'm talking about these extra, let's let's even constrain it to the non-human. Now let's not even talk about extraterrestrial. Some of these non-human entities are malevolent. Certainly not all of them. You could never derive that from the biblical narrative because we encounter a lot of good ones. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that the, that the bad ones, the bad non-humans are in the minority. So, so to just call the phenomenon, to just label it with this term demon is so inaccurate. It has no explanatory power whatsoever. It does not inform you or me of anything. All it tells us is scary, gross, bad, evil. That's all it says. And that's not even accurate. It's not 100% accurate. It's accurate certainly for some of these things, but it's not even accurate for all of them. So that's why I don't like that term demon. It's, it's, it's infantile. Uh, to some extent. So you're you're using the right kind of terminology. You're talking about a factional situation. You're talking about different species. You're talking about a very a variegated assortment of entities. Now we're getting to a more definitive situation, a complexity that we can begin even if it's just a little bit, we can begin to discern this complexity here. Not all of these entities are evil and and we cannot know uh, which factions, which of these entities come from which factions or anything like that. But we can certainly discern the complexity that's that's here. There's a substrate of complexity. So if we embrace the complexity and instead of our instead of our 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 need to automatically whip out this demon brush and start and start making aggressive motions with it towards this phenomena, rather if we step back, we embrace the complexity, we understand that that there is something going on here that is so detailed that is so complex even if we were to be given a lot of, of the information that the government knows even if we were be, to be given all the information that the government knows we probably would still be scratching our heads well do you know about the okay well we're talking about demons and aliens now um and, and and how to properly apply the terms. And of course, if you can't just describe the things that are floating around in the sky as demons, then um, then of course you have to find something else to describe them as. But do you know- Non-human entities. Right, exactly. So, so do you know um, much about the uh, Vril Society? I am somewhat familiar with the Vril Society. You mean what? as it pertains to the Nazis? Yes. So the you, Vril Maidens, yeah. Maria Orsic. Yes. Um, yeah. So when it, it makes me think about this stuff here, um, 
for example, when I when I've read all the accounts of the German Vril Society uh, receiving telepathic instructions from somewhere in the Taurus constellation about how to create the craft that I guess would That's become right. the foundation for the Nazi projects like the Bell. Um, now, was in your opinion, do you think that that was really the uh, all the barons that were that were contacting the Vril? Being, okay. gener being generous galactic neighbors, or was that a demon encouraging us to build technology well, unseen since the war spoken about in the Bible? You know why the Vril Society, what the Vril Society, what the name came from? It came from, oh, geez, I always get this guy's name wrong. I've read the book, uh, Edward Lytton Bull, or Edward Bull Lytton, I can't remember. I think it's Edward Lytton Bull, uh, or something like that. You can go and check. Uh, he wrote a book about these entities that dwell under the ground. It was a fiction, but lots of people think he was it was tongue in cheek for for something he knew that the secret societies knew about this race of beings that were inhabiting the interior of the earth that were called the Vril. And they harnessed the power that was called Vril as well. So this the race and the power are called Vril. And so the Vril Society was um uh the Vril Society was organized around this concept of the Vril, both the, the, the power of Vril and the entities, the beings, the Vril. And so m my inclination is that Maria Orsic and the Vril maidens, who had very long hair because they believed it helped them make contact with these entities, were trying to make contact with the Vril, spe specifically with the Vril. And maybe that's what some of those uh, uh, Nazi expeditions were about as well. Uh, but the Nazis believe that they hailed from a master race, obviously a an, a, a very ancient God-infused race of humanoids. Um, the Vril were something else. The Vril were these entities living under the ground. You maybe can think of them as sort of like a gray alien type thing, or maybe like the tall whites but gray, and they had wings and all this kind of stuff in the, in the fictional narrative. Um, so the Vril Society, what I find very, very interesting is exactly what you said. We're talking about what? Telepathic communication. And remember what I told you, I think it was a few times back. I believe that the human species is inherently telepathic. That means that, that we were created with the ability to communicate telepathically, and that telepathic communication is the primary language. Verbal, audible communication uh, verbal communication is the secondary language of the human species, I believe. Um, uh, and so telepathic communication is probably the norm, is probably the norm as it pertains to, it's normative as it pertains to uh, uh, intelligent beings in the cosmos. And so the Vril Maidens were attempting to make contact, just like you said, with somebody, and they did in fact receive a telepathic communication. Now, they, according to the, and this is the lore regarding the Vril Society, who knows how much of it is accurate. We know there was a Vril Society. We know the Nazis were steeped in the occult, that's for sure. We know that um, Adolf Hitler was looking for the Spear of Longitis. We know he was looking for the Holy Grail. We know he was looking for these artifacts, which he thought had magical powers. Um, so he had a lot of these occult concepts, and he absolutely believed in them. And more, more than him, the people behind him, the people behind him, uh, were the ones who uh, who believed in it more than him, the, the other members of the Nazi party who were who were really the occultists behind the scenes. Um, so they believed that if they could find these artifacts and make contact with these races, that they could somehow harness the power of Vril, that they could get technology and obviously uh, deploy it in the war. 
uh, with their plan to create a new world order. That's what they want to do. They want to create a global new world order. That's what Hitler wanted to do. He says it in Mein Kampf. So, um, uh, so they ended up projecting whatever it is that they were doing, the, these Romanians, and according to the lore, they made contact with somebody who knows who it was. But what they received it was exactly what you said, it was schematics. What they received was schematics. They didn't receive like loving messages about peace and unity and taking care, care of the planet or religious uh, messages. No, they received schematics. In fact, the schematics came to them in a couple of different languages. I think if I remember correctly, one of the languages was like ancient Sumerian and the other one was definitely the coded, um, the coded script of the Templar. So the real maidens didn't even know what they were writing down. It had to be, it had to be uh, interpreted, uh, translated, and once it once it was translated, it was schematics, schematics to build allegedly saucers, allegedly to build der Gleich. Uh, in my opinion, der Gleich, the bell, probably was using some kind of uh, mercury uh, device that circulates mercury counterclockwise and is the same kind of technology that we read about. In the in the Mahabharata and in the Ramayana, the uh, the Indian epics, right? So the the Vimana craft, um, that's what the Dergleich seems something to that effect to me. Um, whether or not it was, I don't know. But obviously the Nazis were doing something, and and then from the Nazis themselves, you had um, I'm trying to remember his name, Herman Oberth, I think was his name, the guy that was above. Uh, uh, the uh, the guy that we brought over for NASA, I just totally lost his name. Anyway, from the guys that worked on the Nazi rocket program, uh, hinted to the U.S. officials once they came over into our programs, we integrated them into NASA and so forth, that they had help in creating their technology or they, they had help in pursuing a space-based platform for rockets or whatever it was that they were trying to do or or at least a rocket that could uh, that could go into low orbit and you know strike new york city that that they were certainly working on that they said they had help and when they say they had help they meant from alien non-human alien entities and actually they they the, the inclination was extraterrestrial entities so that's sort of encapsulating that whole nazi story so having said all that who were the beings that they contacted well, were they just like demonic spirits? Possibly. Were they, were they like gray alien type entities? Possibly. Were they like Nordic type entities? Po I mean, who knows? They're, were they the Vril? Do the Vril exist? Supposedly they they're called the Aldebarans. The Aldebarans, I think, was the name. Uh, somewhere in the Taurus constellation. That's what I what right. I was remembered. So I right. and I, I started thinking. Well, especially since this is telepathic, obviously it, it's uh, you can see a lot of a lot of similarities to the story, to the uh, the Jodie Foster film Contact, where we get the schematics and then we get to go and and have our our meeting on the beach with uh, Jodie Foster's dad, and um and and that is a. That's what I was thinking about. This is like, is this actually a a message from on, uh, from you know deep in in the uh, the universe there, or is this one of those situations where it was some kind of uh, demonic possession? Because you were talking about a group that was very heavily steeped in the cult, and uh, and that's right. And, and that would that's be right. interesting to me because of everything you had brought up in past conversations about yes. how the biblical wars were kinetic. And I was wondering if this was a demon trying to Possibly. encourage the, the Nazis to rebuild unseen technology, it's seen, the technology not seen since biblical war broke out. That's right. 
That's right. It. And and let's be more specific because I, I I'm absolutely tracking with you. It certainly could have been unclean spirit that they were in contact with or spirits or de real demons, right? Real demons. Um, and remember, I said that the demons proceeded from the bodies of dead giants in the antediluvian age, in the world before the flood. And so from my point of view, I call that the empire of the gods, the time before the flood, the empire of the gods. I believe that there was advanced technology in that world. We're not even talking about off planet. We're talking about right here on planet Earth. I believe there was advanced technology, that there were giants, that the gods were walking among men. And when I say gods, I mean the watchers, these angelic extraterrestrial entities were walking among men and were teaching, according to the book of Enoch, and were teaching mankind their knowledge and and probably uh, assumedly developing technology from that knowledge or helping them develop technology. So it's very possible that the, remember, demons are the disembodied spirits of the giants who were the offspring of the watchers. And the book of Enoch specifically says that the watchers taught their children. They taught them the knowledge that they had. And so that would be what? That would be like physics and math. That would be like functional knowledge from which you derive technology. So it's very possible that the Maria Orsic and the Vril Maidens and the other Nazi occultists were communicating with unclean spirits or familiar spirits that proceeded from the Nephilim who would have had that knowledge. Maybe who would have had that knowledge because they had advanced they had Vimana craft, for mm -hmm. example. They had stuff like this, and so they were conveying that knowledge through the mediums, through the Vril Maidens. And that's interesting. Maybe they were conveying that knowledge. One of those languages maybe was their native language, and they were conveying that knowledge through yeah. the Vril Maidens. And I, we're, we're just you know, speculating Spec here, yeah. but, but I'm tracking with you, and I, I agree that's a very strong possibility and a very interesting one. Yeah, well, I, I mean, and then, there's the, and then there's this one last question I have for you because, you know, I, I want to, I have, we have about five more minutes. I want to give you the whole five on this because I was listening to Coast to Coast not too long ago, I think back in April, and they had this, this, uh, this guy on, his name was Scott Mitchell. Do you know of his work? Well, I don't not, believe I do. Anyway, he was talking a lot about discussing some things that I know that you have covered extensively in, in Birthright. And what he had said earlier on in the in this episode with George Norrie was that um, only, since only a third of the angels that rebelled against God, uh, only a third that they are, like you said, outnumbered two to one, the army of fallen angels is completely you know, weak in its state. And then he said that Satan is increasing the size of his army through an alien abduction hybridization program. My question to you is, is it actually possible that we're being hybridized for a final battle? And secondly, does that mean that there are literal superhumans walking among us that we just can't see? Because there's definitely no more 10 foot tall Nephilim giants. So um, not demonically possessed people. I'm talking about demigod-like hybrids who are direct progeny of demons that have been hybridized into our, to try to level out the playing field for the final battle. Is that possible? Totally plausible from my point of view. Totally plausible. Uh, I think that, that, in fact, that's a scenario that I've contemplated. I think I put a footnote in my book about it. It is a, it is a potential scenario. Um, and uh, I would, I, I, it, it, it definitely resonates with me. I don't know if it's true, hmm. but it definitely resonates with me. And I don't know that individual, uh, but, but I think he, he's, that is a plausible hypothesis.
Well, okay. Well, then that, that, and, that... And, but it's just, you know, so people will, they, they, when I, because, you know, I've, I've gone through this whole conversation here with you trying to help you understand my position when, as it pertains to this word demon and why I don't like the word demon, but because I don't like the word demon to refer to the, to the, to the UFO phenomenon, don't think for one minute that I don't believe in demonic entities. Mm. I absolutely do. And don't think for one minute that I think that all these aliens are just these wonderful, peace-loving beings. Absolutely not. I think that probably the majority of the ones that we are encountering is, and 100% of the ones that are abducting people are absolutely demonic in the sense that they are nefarious and they are malevolent and they have some sort of an insidious plan as it pertains to planet Earth and its human inhabitants. Well... I guess, like most things, we are going to have a front row seat. Maybe not in this lifetime, but as cause as, as we've done the math before, it could be in the next 100 to 200 years that we really start seeing major watershed moments in our development or our decline. Um, but it's always great to have you on again, uh, uh, Timothy. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to do this. I'm glad we were able to move it up and get more time together. So uh, enjoy your trip. If there's anything else you want to leave people with before we go, um, I'll direct them all at timothyalberino.com. Yeah, uh, it's always a pleasure to be on with you, Frank, always. Uh, and uh, people can just look me up on social media, Tim at Timothy Alberino and uh, YouTube. YouTube, I'm, gonna be, I'm sort of trying to publish more content on YouTube So uh, and my website, obviously. So thanks a lot for having me on. Yes, okay. Be safe in your travels. Thank you, sir. Later. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so... Wanted to sift through that. Hell, hell, hell. Matt, are you any more or less convinced about our our, our spot in the uh, in the order of things? No, but I mean I concur with. Do you do you think that that we are in a uh, situation where there's more there's more going on there's more variety of life and and hierarchy of uh, of entities out there than just. You think it is more than less? Yeah, I think the Balchinians run everything. <laughs> the Balchinians. Oh, I got You know who I got to bring back on? Who's that? Uh, Ian. Ian. Uh, Ian Jacklin. I got to bring him back on. That'd be a Saturday night. You guys would have to be here for that Saturday night if we did that, though. He's all about the cat people. He's all about the cat people, no doubt, and. Um, all, all, all the species, the dog men, the cat people. There's a lot of that going on. Uh, I hope everybody's like that stuff, like that. I really do, especially the Viril Society thing. I was wondering about that in particular. You know, were they really talking? Whatever you can say about, by definition, whatever the hell's up there can't be a demon. By definition, this can't be this or that. Whatever. You're talking about the Vril Society that they were just, they're going into trances and doing this telepathically. You can say that that came from the Taurus constellation, or you can also say that they opened themselves up for, to be some sort of a conduit for a, 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 maybe a legion of demonic entities. They probably took some type of psychedelics too. Well, that wasn't... shit gets you on to a different place, especially mushrooms. Wasn't the the oracle uh, at Delphi? Well, there's gases in the thing. Right. Yeah. Wasn't that the whole thing? Everybody said that the the, the visions that came from the oracle, uh, scientifically, uh, there's there's a lot of there's science now that that says that it was the gases from that 
that body of water over there that was just keeping the oracle nuts yeah, seeing shit you know, that oracle was was part of the reason for I think um, persecution against the Christians went there I think Diocletian went there or something like that asking the uh, this 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 tripping balls oracle what we should do what should we do he said <laughs> she just didn't know hey here's a little something for you Matt there's an anniversary out there. This is it. Frank, you're such a large part of our day. Will you please help celebrate my 10-year anniversary to the wonderful Erica Berica? Now, here's the thing. His name is um, Mark. She's, you know, she wants... Mark wants you to congratulate Erica on a, on a decade of putting up with Mark. They love the way that you say decade and again. So can you congratulate Erica for a decade of putting up with Mark? Erica, congratulations for putting up with Mark for an entire decade. You see? Just 10 more years and it'll be another decade again. <laughs> We're making dreams come true over here. All right, what else we have? Um, well, here's a couple of... Let's go to some... Let's see here. Let's go to our super chats. I'm not going on a break tonight. No time for that. Shotzi says, quite frankly, Fridays are the best. Yes, I know it was a little bit of a deeper dive for Friday, but um, I had to relocate uh, Timothy Alberino, and I was thinking of other nights that we, I can put him on. I said, you know what? Matt likes listening. I know Matt didn't say much, but he was sitting back, and he was vibing with I that. I would have only had, like, two questions that whole time, but I like to listen to, uh, you to Tim. You should have... Inter well, it, it's not, sometimes it's hard to one interject. Was, I forgot what the first one about. The second one was going to be about the mercury. What about the mercury? That they're using it for the power. That's not like man-made shit, right? Mercury is. I don't know how you. I don't know. Actually, don't know how you get like. Does liquid mercury just exist in the ground? I, I, I don't know. But I'm seeing shit like it's not really bad, and they used to use it back in the day. Like they would have a mercury ball on the building, and that's where the power would come from. Well, I know that my mother, you know, my, my mother uh, would would tell me a lot. You know, they always say don't play with the mercury. But if whenever we had a, whenever we had a, a, a thermometer that broke, we would always play with the, the mercury. That's and what I'm saying. They're trying to control it. You could poison you yourself. You ever see with on top of the towers? There's like a, a pointy thing, and then like a, a little supposedly yeah. I don't know, like those things back in the day. They were filled with mercury. Yeah. Like really. Back in the day, did they retain the charge like in the for a period before the 1860s? Was it that they retained a charge? I'm not sure. Well, I mean, something I, like that. I know the ball you're talking about. Didn't I know they were filled with mercury? And I, and I don't know the purpose, but um, I, I I do know that they would tell people. Obviously, you don't want to drink it, and you don't want to contaminate your blood in any way, shape, or form with the mercury. That that's. But um, I know that a lot of our parents would play with mercury when they were told not to, just because it's it's crazy. You know, that's what they use for the um, for that scene in T2 when the, the T-1000 is yeah. frozen and yeah. then it shatters and, and then recollects. <clears throat> that's all mercury. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely... You want to buy some? As long some? as you don't ingest it. Let's buy some. I'll buy some. Let's, let's buy some and play buy with some it. uranium. Okay. Let's do, mer <laughs> let's do a mercury and a uranium night here on the show. And we'll... Uh, let's see. Uh, Jessaru says, Hi, Frank. Can you ask Charlie 
Oh, that's the last. No. Can you ask Charlie if he's willing to raffle his Shoeless Joe book when you raffle yours? A book from either one of you would be a blessing of a gift. Thank you for all that you do. I can ask him if he if he would raffle that off. And we'll raffle both of our books. We're having such a great time with Shoeless Joe. Matt, we're reading the book that uh, Field of Dreams is based on. About Shoeless Joe Jackson. It, dude, it, well, it's not about him. It's it's it's, it's about a, Kevin Costner. It's about Kevin Costner's <laughs> early life in Iowa, but it's so good. It really is. It's a it's a wonderful experience. Um, and I think uh, Charlie's having a great time too. I'm sad that we only have two more weeks. It was a short book, but long long chapters, so it's forcing us to get through it quicker. Let's see here. Uh, Uper Viking says, Weekly, frankly, fee. I hate to say it, but the Franciscans are to Franklies what DeSantis is to Trump. Oh, why would you get so nasty about this? Listen. Who said that? Uper Viking said that. She's, uh, she, she watches with her mom. But I don't know why she's so vitriolic. I don't, I don't want to see people that upset with each other. That's... She cast a stone. <laughs> she she cast one. Line drawn, she said. The Franciscans don't cast stones. There can be no fence-sitters on this one, sorry, but not really. I'm a frankly for life. Thanks for another great week. And hi, Mom. Well, you know, Youper, you, remember, uh, there might be a time where the Franklies need the Franciscans to come over the top of the hill, that's, like like Gandalf the White at the Battle of Helm's saying. Deep. The Franciscan, we don't cast stones, we just... We throw them. <laughs> <laughs> you can go cast stones if you like. But... Did you think that I was going to say some shit like that? Yeah. I should have. I, thought I you didn't were... think of that. Damn. I was giving... That's was... a good one. We don't cast thrones. <laughs> we don't cast stones. We throw them. <laughs> Oh man, I was just trying to beam the I was trying to beam the uh the punchline into your head and and it just didn't seem like you were going to go for it. Oh well. Well, we can always write that down. That could actually be the motto of the Franciscans. We don't cast stones, we throw them. <laughs> that's the motto. That's a good one. I mean, that's a good. We, now we just need to be able to to do we have to do, now I'm helping you. People are going to say he's helping the Franciscans. I'm just saying, if you're going to develop this thing, people are curious. You're not giving them anything. Now I just gave you a motto. You have to go find a way to make yourself a seal or a coat of arms. I, I've, it's really busy at work. I'm overwhelmed with that, and I'll, uh, my, I'll build the religion. <laughs> Listen, just I've, wait. I've been way too, way too busy to build my religion up lately. I haven't had any time to create to work on my religion. This new religion I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fred Awakening says cheers gents hoping my nomination for badass of the night gets some sort of runner up status tonight St. Matthew of the Franciscans should be recognized oh yes he he uh, said you should you should be a badass oh we have to do a badass together though oh seven J dog have videos of me like fucking Man, coons and shit. Either. I don't have them. I have one where a cop's filming it for me, and he he ran away like a little girl. Oh, I remember that. I remember that story. It was rabbit, and I grabbed it, and I threw it in the cage. He's like, you're like that guy, the Turtle Man. Who? You remember Turtle Man? No. He used to have that show. He used to trap all the animals with his hands. Wow. Well, I had gloves on. I don't remember. Whatever. 
Well, 07JDog28 says, thank you all. Thank you, J-Dog. It's great to have you there. J-Dog says, to my wife, Sharon, I love you. Wow. Love is in the air tonight. Congratulations, Sharon. I wish I was being loved down by J-Dog right now. J-C-J. No, C-S-C-J-151 says, have a great weekend, Frank. Wish it was more. I know. I wish that the weekend was more than it is, uh, too. Oh, as far as your money goes, that is so generous. Never, ever apologize for giving what you think is too little. The fact that you sent the, uh, uh, a, um, a, uh, a token like that and a, uh, a pledge is, is so flattering. So thank you for that. But I do wish that the weekend was more. I wish we had like a long holiday weekend coming up because they've been way too short. Way too short for me to have any kind of real mental rejuvenation. We need another one of those holidays. That's why I've worked in a couple of um, summer Fridays for me in in uh, July. Just taking a couple of summer Fridays. Let's see. What else do we have over here? Matt, you ever take summer Fridays? What's that? <laughs> I I don't know about that, but I did do some summer stock. I do some summer stock. Why don't you tell us about your summer stock? He's very proud of his summer stock. I did some... Summer stock. Costco Law School said uh, Bagoas was a tranny who banged Darius the Third and Alexander the Great. Nothing is new. Did you know about Bagoas? No. Ancient tranny. Uh, 07 J Dog. <laughs> that's not that. Says dig up the skeleton. I says, I says again, great show for our 33rd anniversary. <clears throat> love y'all. Love my wife and three kids. Happy anniversary, Sharon. Love you. It's their anniversary. How how splendid. The two anniversaries? No, one one anniversary. It's a their 33rd. Well, then the other people say they had a 10 year anniversary. Oh Erica, oh yes. Erica oh Erica, Berica, and, and Mark. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, two two separate anniversaries. This one is 33, 33. years. Jeez. Yeah, I know. Uh, Cave Toad says, how's the new video card working out, Frank? I haven't put it in yet. It's sitting right over there. I'm going to need a little help for that. I really I don't want to touch anything and screw anything up, so I'm, I'm really going to wait until I get step-by-step -step help, and um, and then I'll know I'll have known how to do it after that. Porpoiseful, thank you. Cave Toad again says, an alien for the discussion tonight. Happy Friday, Frank, Timothy, and Matt. Thank you so much. Thank you, Robert Sarns, to River Pike, to Boys Blanc, to Oki7. Thank you, Oki. Uh, River Pike again. Uh, Cave Toad, if Timothy is still on when you read this, ask him. No, I'm sorry. Ask him what? Ask him if he's familiar with Metallic Man. He definitely is. Do you know what Metallic Man is? Yeah, it's this guy. He just, he's metallic and he gets stuck to magnets and shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a history of just getting stuck to magnetic things. He always has a knack for finding these giant fucking industrial magnets. What a loser. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Cave Toad, again. Uh, Rook, uh, Cave Toad says, hey, how's it? Uh, uh, also, promote the forums. I, oh, yes, you're, you're right. Please, everybody, go to the forums on quitefrankly.tv. Register for the forums. Write. Uh, put a... Put a put one of your th own threads up there. Add to somebody else's. Be a part of the show's production 
sphere. That's really what it is, the sphere of influence, because we draw a lot from those forums, and we're going to have a lot more to do over the summer. There's a couple of those threads that are ripe for shows now. I have to do Matt's thread that I did not put up yet about have you ever been, have you ever had, have you ever lost to somebody who cheated? Have you ever been rooked of an opportunity because of something where like truly you were sabotaged by somebody and it was, you know, something you earned was taken? Uh, that was Matt's topic, and I think that'll that'll yield some good results. Secret Weapon, thank you. Uh, Michael BKNY says, great segment. I was probed three times when I did tabs. There you go. Cave Toad says, this show deserves five digits for pills. Well, five digits, that would make my heart stop. Thank you so much, Cave Toad. Posey for Hope says, Mercury used for filling teeth before the 90s, I believe. Yeah. You I thought that was about it, silver. Bro, they put the mercury in the thermometer and it rises, right? Because of heat. So it definitely can do something. It responds. It responds to energy. Definitely. I mean, heat is uh, heat, flame. That's that's a a form of energy. It's it's uh, the chemical reaction is definitely um, interesting. So we, we should start buying all the mercury we fucking can, bro, so we can leave Earth. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> what will we put it into? Think that we're getting out there. We'll just make we'll make a fucking UFO. I'm gonna put that into Google. How do, how do I make a UFO with mercury? <laughs> a wooden UFO. <laughs> a wooden UFO. Yeah, that'll be fine. Airtight. We're doing. Well, we'd be doing good. I'll put some insulation in there. Well, Matt, listen. We have to do our badass of the evening. And I was I was so pissed off when I got home last night. I realized I had not done my badass last night and I had it all set up. So um, let's um, let me see where I ha I have it. Oh, here we go. I got a badass over here. You're gonna like this badass, Matt. You want to see what it is? Mm. All right, hold on one second. Is it Phil Skyler? No. That's some badass shit. It's pretty badass. Tonight's badass. Do you see him? This is exactly what he looked like. His name is Miyamoto Musashi. He's a Japanese swordsman, a philosopher, a strategist, a writer, and an artist. He began his career as a fighter early in life when at age 13 he killed a man. I will kill you. If you look at me wrong, I will kill you. He killed a man. That's actually have some footage. That's some, that's some uh, audio. He killed a man at 13 in single combat. Musashi grew up in a time of great change in Japan. The country seethed with feudal wars as old ruling Ashikaga shogunate declined. Aye. Then collapsed completely in 1573. Aye. By the year 1600, Japan was divided into two camps. Those in the east who favored Tokugawa Ieyasu. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, the founder of the last shogunate. And those in the West who supported Toyotomi Hideyori. Being from the West, Musashi served in Hideyori's forces, which proved unfortunate after the pivotal battle, battle of Sekigahara on October 21st, 1600. Long time ago. When Liasu proved victorious and cemented his 
control of Japan. So now Japan has been lost. I will be victorious. Yes, to Tokugawa Ieyasu. It's his now. So Musashi somehow managed to escape this battle with his life. All of this fallout. But he's a wanted man now. So he has now become a ronin. That is a samurai without a master. Musashi decided to seek his life's ambition and become a shugyosha. That is a samurai who wanders the land on solitary quest, honing his skills through deadly duels to prove himself. That's like by me. That is. During this quest, he invented the Nito Ichiru. That's the style of fencing. Style of fencing with two swords. And is often referred to today as Kensai, or Sword Saint. Musashi claimed to have fought in more than 60 individual sword fights, many of which were to the death, and all of which he won, of course, because he's alive, but many to the death, not all. Musashi's most famous encounter took place in 1612 against his arch-rival, Sasaki Kojiru, a swordsman whose skill was reported to be equal to his own. The contest took place on a small island off the coast of Japan. While being rowed out to the dueling site, Musashi fashioned a wooden sword out of an oar, an oar of the boat. When the two enemies finally met on the beach, Musashi quickly dispatched Kijuru with a well-placed blow to the head using his wooden sword, not even his, his I steel. I will defeat you with wooden sword. After that, feeling that he had reached his peak as a swordsman, Musashi retired from his dueling life, though he trained some students and helped to suppress the Shimbara Rebellion in 1637. According to legend, Musashi wrote his famous work on strategy, The Book of Five Rings, which dealt with the martial experience both individually and militarily on his deathbed. Following its first English translation in 1974, the book was seriously studied by executives in the West in order to better understand Japanese management techniques and strategies. Hmm. There he is. He sounds like um, that's who Hatari Hanzo is based on. Mm. Like the retired at his peak or whatever. I don't know. I guess he was a sword maker. That's, that dude's pretty badass. Well, this guy was a badass in his time. He really was. We have a lot. We have a lot of other badasses that are coming our way. And I'm glad that you guys were able to learn about this with me tonight. Matt, do you have anything else you want to say? God is Lord. <laughs> You're right. You're right. That's the first time I've heard it said like that. Uh, <laughs> that's the first time I've ever heard that said in my life, to be honest. What? Nobody in my presence ever said God is Lord? Yes. I have never heard that. So I'm happy. I'm happy to have heard it tonight. I'm going to start saying it. Because it's kind of redundant. <laughs> you know, that's... that's, that's <laughs> Okay. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoy your weekend. God is Lord. And we will be back next week for a uh, really a, a wonderful string of shows. And uh, Matt, thanks again. We will talk to you all soon. Good night and good luck. I'll catch you on the flip side.
quite frankly, is filmed for a live studio audience. And now our beautiful, beautiful super chatters, starting with Shotzi, Jezeru, and Youper Viking. Thank you to all of our wonderful Rumble Ranters. You guys have just been wonderful to us tonight. Freight Awakening, JDog28, SCJ151. I believe that there was another one in there. Costco Law School. Enjoy your weekends, guys and gals. The weekend roundup is coming up all throughout the weekend. <laughs> Talk about redundant. Uh, it's coming up all the next couple of days <laughs> on, quite frankly, TV. So enjoy yourselves. See you soon.